sermon. So uh, last week, you know, I challenged everybody to say, you know, like, let's actually try to do the stuff in this book. Let's lay hands on a sick person and pray for them. And uh, I said that I would, my goal was to have at least two kinds of stories to tell you. Uh, a story where I prayed for someone and they were healed, and a story where I prayed for someone and they were not healed. Uh, and I'm sure uh, that I can always manufacture that second one, right? I can always do that. I can always take a risk and pray for somebody. So I'll tell you a couple stories. Uh, first, I was in a grocery store, and uh, I've actually never done this before, but I just I saw someone that I felt like God wanted me to talk to, and so I just walked up to them and I said, hey, this might be kind of weird, and you can just tell me to get lost, but I feel like I'm supposed to ask you, uh, if there was one miracle that God could do in your life, what would it be? And the lady was kind of like, she like took a step back and was like, sort of floored for a minute, and then she said, well, I, I, I want all these bleepity bleep wars to stop because, you know, it's just ridiculous. And I said, really, tell me more. Do you have a person that you know that, that is like over there? Like, do you have somebody who, who's, you know, you know, that you want to pray for? And she said, yeah, you know, such and such person, and I said, well, you know, could I, would it be okay if I just prayed with you for that person right now? And she said, well, no, I got to get going, you know. And she, I think she was, like, totally weirded out by me. But I said, well, you know, I'll keep that person in prayer, and I'm sorry to bother you, and you have a good night. And now I'm praying for this person to uh, come home, right? Second story that's maybe a little awkward uh, and maybe a little fun is uh, I was at another grocery store. So my grocery budget is like tanking this week because I'm like finding every excuse to get out and find people so that I can pray for people so I can hopefully come with a good story for you guys on Sunday. Uh, I was in the grocery store and there's a guy kind of limping down the aisle and I said, hey, pardon me, I couldn't help but notice that you're, you seem like you're kind of hurt a little bit. And he said, yeah, my knees are killing me. And I said, well, hey, could I just could I pray for you right now and ask God to heal you? Um, and he's like, yeah, sure, what the heck? You know, and so I like prayed for him there in the grocery aisle, and no fireworks, no immediate uh, sense of healing or anything like that. Uh, I, and I asked him to check it, and he said, you know, I'm, I'm about the same. You know, I, I said, you know, check it, like, and don't be nice to me. Like, try to make it hurt. Like, and he was like, uh, yeah, you know, not, nothing's changed, but I appreciate you praying for me, man. Take care. Take care. And he just like bolted before I could try again. And, and uh, you know, but he left with a smile. Like he was grinning ear to ear while I was praying for him. He's just like, I think, I don't know, maybe, maybe he was nervous or maybe he was experiencing some joy and some love. Uh, the third example happened, well, I'm actually going to talk about the third example in the sermon. So uh, I think April had a story to tell real quickly. If she doesn't mind, I'm going to invite her up and just talk about her experience of continuing to pray and hope. So I've been visiting my aunt in the hospital for about three weeks now, and she's been really sick, and um, I've been praying for her while she's been in the hospital. So, you know, the first times I went in about three weeks ago, and we weren't sure if she was going to survive uh, what she was going through, and um, so I would just, in the the first week we'd pray, and it got scarier as the days went on um, and there was a day a Saturday a couple weeks ago where it was basically taking a turn okay <laughs> I don't know how to use a microphone um, so I we thought we were gonna lose her 
Saturday. Um, and my uncle told me the next day on Sunday that I came in on that Saturday to pray for her, and his friend, his Presbyterian friend, prayed from a distance <laughs> from St. Louis. Um, and he said that Sunday was, that was the day that she t- turned around, and she's been getting better ever since um, that Sunday. And we're still praying. I mean, it was, it was really good to see that, and it was also, it's also been just a practice of continuing to pray for someone um, over time without seeing, like you said, fireworks. There haven't really been fireworks. And I'm still trying, and I'm still hoping, and I want to record this because I hope that, you know, maybe we look back on this in a year and things have changed even more. Um, and I also just wanted to share during one of the times, this is a new experience for me. I'm going on and on. But I have never really prayed for a person who wasn't physically aware of my presence in the room. And that's different. And there was one time when I was praying for her, and I'm not entirely sure she was fully awake. But while we were praying, um, she ended up like raising her hand up like she was praying with us. And that was just really cool to see. And it really gave me a lot of hope that God is with us. He's with her. He's in the hospitals. He's everywhere we are. And that was really encouraging. Awesome. Great story. Thanks for sharing. I'm going to switch mics. Yeah. Clap for that. Come on. Yeah, let's clap. Way to go. Way to take a risk. Way to keep praying. Way to keep hoping. Way to keep pursuing. So I figured out how to make the survey work so that it can be part of the sermon slides, and this will actually be part of the recording, too. So uh, I want to ask, since some of us took the risk, some of us didn't, and I want to totally confess to you that there were uh, more than a few times this week when I thought, maybe I should pray for that guy, and I just choked. Like, I just, like, chickened out and, like, didn't go for it. And, you know, maybe if I hadn't choked, maybe if I had went for it those times, maybe I would have a story to tell you of somebody who was healed. All right? And so I just want to say, like, look, resistance is real. Like, if we're going to pray for healing, if we're going to cast out demons, if we're going to share prophetic words, if we're going to share the good news, if we're going to listen to the Holy Spirit and try to partner with what God is doing in the world, then uh, we're going to probably experience at least a little bit of resistance and struggle with that. And so I want us to just reflect on the question, and I want us to actually try to name... What is it that makes us resist participating in this? Like when we feel resistance, when we feel fear, try to name what that fear is. What are we afraid of? Uh, and this is, you know, whatever you type in is going to be anonymous. So if you will, send a text in to 417-283-8011. I've provided a couple of examples. So let me just say that it was me that said, I don't know how to start a conversation or I'm afraid of talking to people I don't know. Those are two fears that I have that I deal with when it comes to uh, praying for people and doing this stuff out and about. Of course, doing this stuff doesn't just have to happen with strangers in the supermarket. It can also happen with close relatives at hospitals. It can happen with your neighbors, with your friends, with your family, with people that you know. Um, So we're getting some more responses in here. It's a little weird. Yeah, it is a little weird, right? It's countercultural. It is not normal to believe that God can intervene and um, impact a person's life uh, directly. Um, not feeling bold, worried about being embarrassed, social anxiety. Yeah, right? Limited emotional and social energy, right? I was really feeling that one this week, especially like 
you know, I was feeling pretty gung-ho on Monday and Tuesday, and then my own son got sick, and despite prayers, uh, you know, for his healing, uh, he wasn't healed, and so I needed to stay home with him, and so that really kind of uh, lessened my opportunities to be out and about and try to see what God is doing and partner uh, with God. I can really uh, feel that. I'm lazy and selfish. Whoever wrote that down is really brave, you know, just being able to name, like, yeah, like, and I feel those things too. Like, sometimes I just don't want to, right? Sometimes I'm just like, I don't, I don't want to try this. It's awkward. Like, it's, it's countercultural, right? Um, I don't know how to start a conversation. Let's see, I already said that. Limited emotional and social energy. Uh, expectations of others I don't fully jive with, right? Yeah, don't want to damage or weird out a relationship that is rooted in another context. Yeah, that's, that makes sense. Yeah, you know, you, you know a person one way, but, but not knowing them as, a, like, you know, I know this person, but this person doesn't really, uh, you know, share my values and beliefs in terms of prayer and doesn't really understand what I'm trying to do when I'm praying for them. That makes it difficult. These are good things. It's good, it's good to kind of name this stuff. Uh, I'm rebellious. I, because I was told to do it, I resist it. Yeah, I totally feel that sometimes too. Yeah, like, like ask me to do anything and that will be the thing that for sure makes me not want to do it, right? Yeah, I think that's very true about human nature. Very true. Uh, yeah, I'm not Pentecostal enough. Okay, you know, feel like I'm invading their space. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. Well, so these are good. I feel like this is really good feedback. And um, you know what? Before we go on, I, I just want to pray as we look to the scriptures and ask God to... Um, oh, wait, let's see. Let's, I don't want to fake what I don't know how to do. That's a really good one. Yeah, having some kind of anxiety or insecurity about knowing how to handle a situation and not wanting to try to hype something up or fake something, that's a legitimate concern. That's something to to focus on. So, yeah, as we turn to the scriptures here in Acts chapter 8 and just continue to look at the life of Philip, uh, starting in verse 26, let me just pray and just bring these before the Lord. So, God, we just give you all these obstacles. We give you all of our fears. We give you all our social anxiety. We give you the legitimate ones that are motivated by love and concern for others, and we give you the selfish ones that are really just our own insecurity and our own lack of trust in you. And we name them, and we, we, we say them boldly before you, knowing that you still welcome us to the table. That in you and in, in relationship with you, that there's a lot of room to struggle. There's a lot of room to fail. There's a lot of room to make mistakes, and there's so much room and so much grace for growing in the activity of partnering with you and your Holy Spirit. So God, I just ask that you would help us to grow. Lord, I, I pray that now that we've named what our struggles are, Lord, that we would bring those before you consistently in prayer, that you would meet us, and that you would overcome in our hearts that our love for you would be greater than our social anxiety and our insecurity and our laziness and our selfishness and our rebelliousness. That our love for our neighbors would be greater than whatever comes between you and them. And Lord, I pray that we would be a people 
who when you say go, we go. I pray that we would obey you, Jesus, that we would be looking for you and that we would find you and that you would move in us and through us to be a blessing to the people of Springfield and beyond. And I just ask for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's look at the way that Philip continued uh, after this confrontation with the magician guy. Uh, check out the sermon from last week if you want to look at that. In Acts chapter 8, verse 26, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Now, you ever feel like, man, I w- if I had an angelic visitation, then I wouldn't have any doubts, right? Then it would just all be easy. It would all be good, you know. If I could, if I could just experience enough supernatural things or if I could experience you know, stuff that was supernatural enough, then it would be, then I would be good. Then I wouldn't have any doubts. Then I would just be able to do whatever God told me to do. Well, you know, the, the lie to that, uh, to that prerequisite for me is I have seen some stuff. Like, I have seen some healing. I have seen people healed, like, in this building, in this church. I have seen some degree of supernatural stuff, um, and I hope to tell some of those stories. And yet, I still struggle. Like, I still have doubts. I still struggle with this stuff. So I think it's important for us to remember that, you know, the reason that Philip is roaming around and and trying to figure out where to go uh, is living in this now and not yet kingdom in in this sense of that God's kingdom has come on earth. People are being healed. The dead are being raised. Demons are being cast out. Good news is preached to the poor. Justice is happening. Social barriers are breaking down. Uh, tribes are coming together to worship the Lord under, uh, under his banner and across cultures and across languages. And, and uh, you know, wealth is being redistributed to people as they need it without, uh, through the generosity and love and care of the church. And like God's kingdom is coming on earth, and at the same time, uh, Christians are being killed because they follow Jesus. And that's the context in which we read this story. It's, it's, it's both a now and a not yet situation. And so if we experience struggle, if we experience awkwardness, we should find ourselves uh, right in the middle of this story. Now, angel said, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out. And on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which means the queen of the Ethiopians. Uh, If you know anyone named Candace, that's kind of another way that you might try to pronounce that name, and uh, that's where where that popular name comes from. Uh, Kandake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. Now, a thing about eunuchs. So, uh, just an aside, I want you to imagine what this guy's life is like. Uh, a eunuch is uh, someone who's had some of their uh, male parts, some or all, uh, removed uh, forcibly um, by another human being. And so, this was a brutal practice in the ancient world for kings and queens and, and people in power and, and, and who are in charge of empires to acquire skilled administrators for their own government. So when they would invade a city or a town uh, and they, found, you know, they, they conquered a city, uh, they would find you know, who are the smart people, who are the valuable people. 
we'll take them and we'll use them, but just to make sure that they know who's boss, just so that they never forget what we will do to them if they rebel, we're going to harm them in this very humiliating, dehumanizing way so that they understand who we are and who they are in relation to us, right? And so this Ethiopian eunuch had had this experience in his life and is living, working for um, the government in, uh, in, in, in the particular government in, in Ethiopia there. And he's sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. And the Holy Spirit, the Spirit, told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch, again, emphasizing this guy's story, was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? And then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And then if you have verse 37 in your Bible, it'll say something like, you know, he would ask him a question that we would ask somebody who's about to be baptized. Do you believe in the Lord Jesus? And, and uh, the eunuch says something like, I believe that he is the Son of God or something like that. Now, a note, uh, that's not in the earliest manuscripts, and so you see it in brackets here in the NIV. And there are some differences in manuscripts. Uh, this is one of them. Don't be surprised when you see that in the scriptures. It doesn't mean that the Bible's unreliable, Okay. Uh, and actually, we all know about it, and we're honest about it, and you can see that in most modern editions, kind of like recognize that there's some controversy, and so we can just recognize it and keep moving, right? Uh, and he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him, washing off the old life, washing off that life of shame, that life of imprisonment, that life of abuse, and renouncing the powers and principalities of this present evil age and all of the governmental structures and all of the, all of the demonic power behind those things, dying to that and being raised to new life in Christ and the hope of the resurrection and a legacy that is formed by the life of Christ, not what we materially gain or uh, produce on this earth. And then when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. And so just to kind of help orient us, what are we talking about in Caesarea? So this is, there's a little bit of map uh, description here in the text. So, you know, uh, the previous story happened up in Samaria, uh, and then the Holy Spirit told Philip to head south on the road from Jerusalem to Gaza, so he was somewhere in this area, 
And then uh, somewhere on the road, they stopped and baptized the eunuch. The eunuch went on down to Ethiopia, and uh, Philip went up to Azotus and then just kind of went up the coast preaching at all the little towns along the coast, which is where most of the towns, where, where you know, people like to settle next to the, to the shore. And so he just worked to the shore and just went and talked about Jesus to everybody up at the shore. Now, here's the thing. Uh, we could get really distracted by this idea of Philip being snatched up by the Holy Spirit and whisked away. And so the question is, is this, is Philip like, you know, the X-Man nightcrawler? Does he teleport? Is that what's going on in this story? Is he nightcrawler for Jesus? I actually really enjoyed in the, uh, I think it was in like 2008 or so, the, the, the second X-Man movie, or it might have even been no, I was in college, so it would have been like 2004, 2005 or something. The second of the X-Men movies, uh, Nightcrawler is like a mystic Christian and like, you know, marks himself with angelic tattoos or something every time he sins and, and, and he like pray, you know, he recites the 23rd Psalm when Jean Grey dies. Oops, spoiler alert, sorry, that's an old movie. Uh, I actually really love the, the depiction of Nightcrawler in those movies. I think it's really cool. But I think that if we start to get out there and, you know, that's my cultural baggage that I'm bringing to this text, you know, the, the teleportation question, I just feel like I have to address it because it's here in the text. There is a strong tradition of a supernatural interpretation of these two verses. And it's possible that Luke is making an allusion to Elijah being swept up in a chariot. Uh, that would have been something that was very familiar to people. And so the fact that Philip might have enjoyed something like this and been transported from wherever he was suddenly to the town of Azotus, or um, uh, I think it's, I forgot the name of it now, but uh, to this other city, uh, that, could be some, that could be what is being described in this text, um, and that's quite possible. But I actually think that the discussion and the controversy uh, of this is maybe not the focus. Whether you believe that Philip was like s- suddenly swept up by the Spirit and just like disappeared from this place and reappeared this place, or if he was swept up in the Spirit by he needed to follow the Holy Spirit to where the Holy Spirit was leading him, uh, and he followed the Holy Spirit to that other place, I actually don't think that uh, either mode of transportation is completely relevant to what the real point of the text is, which is that the Spirit leads and directs Philip where he should go. Whether the Spirit transported him instantly or the Spirit led him and he was so obedient that he just got up and left as soon as he baptized this guy and went on his way to the next town. Either way, I think the point of the text is that the Holy Spirit is leading Philip to go and reach the next person, to go and preach the gospel where it needs to be preached and to talk to the people who need to hear about Jesus and the salvation that he offers. That really, to me, seems to be the point of the text. If you will, it's much like this parable that Jesus told when he says, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, rejoice with me, I found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous persons do not need to repent. The Holy Spirit leads us outside of our comfortable enclaves to people who need him. 
that the Holy Spirit, while he loves the church and he's present in the church, and when we gather together in, in worship to encourage each other and to spur one another on to taking risks, to continue in prayer, to continue in reaching out, to continue preaching the gospel, to continue to experience God ourselves, while, while we do that in community, the Holy Spirit leads us out. And you'll know you're following the Holy Spirit if you find yourself drawn to love and care for people who don't know God with the gospel of Jesus Christ and to care for them and to invite them into community. If you want to know if you're being led by the Holy Spirit or not, if you are, are, are driven by a desire to care for others and to love others and to bless others and to help other people who haven't experienced it yet experience the kingdom of God, that's what the Holy Spirit does. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing in this story and Philip's obedience, his willingness to follow God wherever he should lead him is what is on display in this story. And because of Philip's radical just openness and willingness to go wherever God would send him, we see God working through Philip in the lives of this Ethiopian and, and many signs and wonders he performs in the various Christian communities and in the Samaritan towns and uh, everywhere he ends up going. We see the Holy Spirit pushing the gospel to cultures that are outside of what has traditionally been understood as the people of God. And we, see this, we see this trajectory, and this is, sort of, this is sort of Luke's thesis at the beginning of Acts. Jesus says, you know, wait until you receive power in Jerusalem. Wait on me. You're going to need me to do something to you in order for you to be able to do what I want you to do. And then when you have received power, you will be my witnesses in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And we're seeing the gospel begin to spread in this story to the ends of the earth, to cross cultures, to go beyond just the Jewish and the kind of quasi-Jewish people of Samaria. Now it's spilling into Ethiopia and all around the known world in this story. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. And so in the vineyard, we talk about this as in terms of everybody gets to play. We really believe that God has given every person a gift and that God empowers people to do the stuff that we see in this book. Uh, Johnny talked about this a few weeks ago, and I think he did a, just a fantastic do- job of talking about this idea of deacons. You know, uh, Philip was a deacon. That means that he waited tables, Right? There was, this, there was this trouble with the administrative tasks of, of distributing the food and making sure that the, that the non-Jewish uh, widows or the Hellenistic Jew, I guess they were still Jewish, they were uh, you know, culturally Hellenistic, uh, they were getting ne- neglected in the distribution of food that was happening. And so they said, well, you know, look, look we've got to do, do like apostle stuff. Uh, we need somebody to take care of this. Let's get a few guys to take care of this. And Philip was one of those guys. Well, in the process of, waiting tables and serving, he found that there was more to him, right? And it's often in the context of service to God's mission, it's on the job that we discover our gifts. It's while we're on the job that we discover what we were made to do, that we get busy working and doing what God has called us to do, what we know we're supposed to do, and it's in that context of service and, and, and giving to the life of a Christian community that we often find other things within us and we grow to become important leaders or important and influential people because of the gifts that God has given us in order to distribute to the church and to the wider community. Philip shows up thinking, okay, I'll, I'll begin to serve in this thing to wait tables. 
and he becomes an important leader. And that happens in the context of service to God's mission. But the other thing that I think is important uh, to, to note here, and particularly in this story for our purposes, is that our relationship with each other serves our relationship with God. That if you will, it's really our connection to Jesus that binds us together as brothers and sisters in Christ and as friends. And that that bond uh, that we have with each other is subject to the Lord who forms it. And that God is the one who gets to call the shots and spend our lives however he sees fit. And we see that in this story. You know, Philip's just made this friend. He's just uh, become this guy's kind of, you know, uh, like pastor, leader. I mean, he led him to Christ. And immediately after that, instead of allowing Philip to maybe follow him down to Samaria or uh, follow him down to Ethiopia, Philip is led by the Spirit, either teleported or just led in his heart, who cares, away from this person that he just baptized and he just introduced into the faith. And God gets to make those kinds of decisions. I think it's true, and I think that it's been part of the experience of this church that sometimes people will come here and get saved and then go somewhere else. Uh, that sometimes people are going to encounter our community and get what they need from God that they can only get here and then go and bless and be part of another community. And we have to be open to that. We have to be the kind of people who say, come Holy Spirit, no holds barred. You know, we can't be the kind of people who say, you know, God, come over here, but not over there. God, do your work here, but not in that community. We want to be a, we want to be a church and a community that, that loves the, the whole church, that loves every community of faith, and that loves believers regardless of what spiritual or financial or physical benefit they give to us, but that we bless indiscriminately and that we, that we give what we have to give away. And I do believe that God has called us as people to commit and to commit to the mission of this church and, and inviting people into this community and growing this community. I think that's all very good. And the relationship that we have with each other as a church community is wonderful and I enjoy it so much. But I think it's just important to remember that while we come to serve each other and while we come to bless each other and encourage each other, we do that because we love God first. And it's in finding that depth of relationship with Jesus and that encouragement with Jesus that we lean on him and find him to be our savior. And it's in that relationship that we find the strength to do a really good job and to hold each other with an open hand, to not look to each other as our saviors, but as our friends who are following God together. And that we don't need to be the savior to each other. We just need to be a friend who can connect another person to God. I think that's important for us as a community. And I think it's something that we see in this text. And so maybe you're saying, okay, all right, that's great. Cool story. Awesome. God's doing stuff. You know, um, I want to suggest this. I think maybe what we did last week in terms of making a call to ministry and a call to action very clear and precise like, you know whether or not you prayed for somebody last week, right? Like, it's clear. And I'm not saying, like, feel bad if you didn't. That's actually not what I want. But I think it's good for us to know, are we doing what we're being invited to do or not? 
And if we're not, that creates an opportunity for us to ask the question. That creates the opportunity for us to say, why not? And there's spiritual growth and depth that can happen there. And that's not bad. That's good. If we, can, if we can become more aware of the way we think. You know, I have needed so many opportunities to fail in order to succeed the few times that I have in my life. I have needed so many times to just muddle through and kind of do like an okay job. And I've needed so much grace and so much support in order to have like a couple of small pieces of fruit in my life. I just, I have so much need for grace. I have so much need for the opportunity to struggle and to do a bad job so that I can learn how to do a good job in my life. And I just think that it's important for us to continue to be able to give that to each other and offer each other that and support each other in that. But at the same time, if we don't name what it is we're trying to do and have some kind of self-evaluative measurement, then I think it's easy for us to become complacent and not learn anything and not be challenged to grow. And so this week, I want to try to do the same thing, all right? And this is what I'm going to hopefully tell you a story about next week. This is what I'm going to do, and I'm inviting you to join me in this. And if you want to get up and tell everybody a story next week, boy, I'll be so happy to hear it. But I'm going to try and take some time this week to make a travel plan with the Holy Spirit. And what I mean by that is I'm going to try to find some time either in an evening or maybe on Saturdays when I'll get this done. You know, having that margin in your life to be able to do this, you know, you, you can kind of adjust it to your life. So maybe, maybe the way you look at this is uh, you go to sit in the cafeteria, if, if you have a cafeteria, or you you ask God, you know, hey, who would you like to, me to invite to lunch this week, all right? And where would you like us to go? And you just, and that's how you, that's how you work this out, okay? But I want us to try to find some place where we have some options, where we have some kind of margin, where we have some space in our lives, and ask God to tell us specifically where he wants us to go. And then I want us to, as individuals, go to that place, And when we get there, try to look and see, okay, who am I here to meet? What is God asking me to do? Where's where's my person in the chariot? Why am I here? What what is the Lord leading me to? And and actually like go to that physical place and try to make contact with that physical person. So the way this worked out for me this week is because I had thrown this out there and said, okay, look, I want us to pray for somebody this week. Like lay your hands on and pray for physical healing for somebody. Because of that, I was at a store. I was actually at a, like a hardware store kind of a thing. Uh, and there was this guy kind of walking around. It was like I felt like I was stalking him. Uh, I was just chasing around the store. Uh, and he was kind of, he was walking around with a cane. And I just thought, oh, gosh, you know, is this the guy? I'm, this is it. All right, this is going to be, I got to, you know. And I just, I, I molded over, and, I, and I, I was, like, trying to think, how can I approach this guy without weirding him out and, like, being an actual, like, loving, kind presence, I don't want to make this not awkward for me. I want to make it not awkward for him. And I was like, God, would you just help me, you know, start a conversation with this guy? How do I do this? And at one point, he was kind of, like, looking at this section of things at the store we were at. And so I thought, well, I'll just go stand over there and see if I can start a conversation with him. So we're, like, looking at things. And I was, you know, I said, hey, you know, these 
Look at these things, these are, these are, you know, not a bad price. And he's like, yeah, you know, these are really cheap. And we just, you know, and then from there, we got into a conversation that lasted about 45 minutes. And, uh, you know, I'm like supposed to be out running a quick errand and then coming home to relieve my wife from caring for the sick children. And I'm just like, but I'm just going to talk to this guy because I asked God to help me connect with him. And it was a lot more like, hey, just go stand next to that chariot. And sometimes the way the Holy Spirit leads us is, hey, pray for that guy to be healed. Hey, give this specific prophetic word that is risky and you will look silly if, you, uh, <laughs> if that person doesn't receive it. Like sometimes it's really high risk. Sometimes it seems super supernatural. Sometimes it's a lot more like, hey, just go stand next to this person. And so I tried to follow the Spirit in that and... Um, I did end up praying for him about some physical stuff, but, but through that, we, we got into a conversation that was just a, a lot more holy. I, I don't know how else to describe it uh, than just your normal conversation. I think because I was trying to pay attention to what the Holy Spirit was doing in that moment with this person. And we talked about life, and we talked about family, and we talked about just all kinds of really good things. And it was I, I, I got a real sense of the Holy Spirit's presence being there in, in that moment. I was able to bless him and encourage him in prayer. No supernatural healing occurred, but I think the gospel was shared. And I think I was able to share something of the vision of what God has given us as a church, invite him to church. He says he's going to come, so maybe, you know, if he's listening now, hey, hope you show up, buddy. Uh, but I, I just was so blessed by that conversation and I wouldn't necessarily have experienced that or noticed that if I wasn't paying attention to Jesus. And so that's my invitation to you is to join me. Try to do this this week. Try to find some time and, and be intentional about it. Actually choose to sit down with God and just say, Lord, where do you want me to go? And then if you think of your favorite restaurant, go there. But while you're there, look around and see if somebody pops out. See if somebody kind of stands out as a person that you should try to connect with. And maybe just go stand next to them and say, hi, and see what happens in that conversation. See what God might do. And if you have a cool story to tell about doing that, bring it next week. Or if you find yourself unable to take those steps, well, then let's talk about that. Let's, let's talk about what are the challenges? What are the things that we need to grow past? Let's name those things, know what they are, and bring those before God so that we can go. Let's ask God the question, how can I grow past this so that he can answer it for us? And I just want to say, too, that I think it's so important for us as a community of faith. A lot of times, in American culture in particular, we're always looking for the next thing, right? We always are looking for the new angle, the secret bullet, the magic bullet, you know. We're, we're still quite a bit like Simon. We want to know, how can I guarantee that when I pray for the Holy Spirit to come, the Holy Spirit will come? Can I give you money? Can I buy this power that you have? We want to know what the secret is, what the magic bullet is. And the kingdom of God just doesn't work that way. It works the other way. God tells us what to do, and we do it, and we don't know what's going to happen when we do. 
But I believe that as we continue in that path, as we continue to make that a lifestyle, as we decide to make that choice to pay attention to God as we go, as we go to work, as we drive, as we do the things that we're kind of already normally doing, that we will find him there and he will move. And so if you tried last week or you thought about it or at least you were aware and then you chickened out like I did a few times, try again. Just try it again. Just do what you already know how to do again and stick with it. So much of success in life is dependent on our ability to do the same things over and over and over again. If we want to build wealth, wake up and spend less than we make. Next day, wake up, spend less than we make. The next day, wake up and spend less than we make. Spend less than we make. Spend less than we make. Just like one day at a time, plodding on. If you want a good marriage, wake up and be kind to your spouse. Be polite to your spouse. Be respectful of your spouse. Listen to your spouse. Do the things that you know how to do every day, slowly, over time. That's how you build a good marriage and a good life. If you want a deep relationship with God, wake up, read the scriptures and pray. Next day, wake up and read the scriptures and pray. Wake up and read the scriptures and pray. And then the next day, do it again. Wake up, read the scriptures and pray. If we want to grow in doing the stuff that Jesus does and the stuff that his early apostles and followers did, we've got to wake up and take a risk for God. We've got to wake up and take a risk for God. Wake up and take a risk for God. We need to make this a lifestyle. So if it didn't happen this time, try again. Just try again. And keep trying. And when you fail, notice how you failed. Talk to God about that. Ask him for help. Ask him for insight. Lord, what did I do wrong that time? How did I not, why didn't I have the courage to do that? Look at, look at what's inside. Look at, the, look at what's in your soul and bring those things before the Lord. And maybe if you're super brave, bring them before another person and ask them to pray for you so that God can deal with those things. I believe that if we continue in that process, if we continue to try again, if we continue to walk this out, to plod on and struggle through in faith, then we'll be begin to live the kind of life that we read about of these people who did it over the course of their lives. We get the highlights in here, right? We get the highlights. We don't read about Philip, you know, like eating lunch. That's not a good story. Who cares, right? That's not going to be in here. But so many times his life was just normal. And a lot of times the Holy Spirit working in our lives might feel kind of normal. Like, just go, just go over there and stand next to that guy. And that's okay. The important thing is that we pay attention to the Lord and follow where he leads. If we do that, what he's doing is spreading good news in the world. And we will learn how to do that, and we will do that if we listen to him. Would you stand?